Welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have Adrian Fagelund from Linkby. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're most welcome. Look, we're very excited to have you. You came off a red eye from New York yesterday, so we've got you on the good day. Yes. So if I waffle on, that's probably why, because I'm half asleep yeah, yeah yeah no worries well look i mean uh we'll uh we'll, we'll make sure that you know we, we ask good questions to keep you awake sounds good to me but uh if you do get tired let us know i'm sure the audience will uh be happy to give you a break you know so don't worry at all about that but look adrian you're normally based in sydney um Correct. but do you want to kick off by telling us a bit about your background all the way from the beginning yeah so you're right i'm originally from sweden uh, did a lot of travel in my youth, ended up in Australia, left Australia, and then kind of went back to set up my life uh, in Australia. And then through a couple of twists and turns, I ended up landing a job at a, in publishing uh, yes. through a company called Pedestrian.tv, an Australian youth publisher, the Australian youth publishing brand of Australia, where um, they really uh, started small. Uh, and then grew to something quite significant and then on, ev- then sold to the biggest TV network in Australia as well. Yeah, mm. massive story, massive yeah. journey for you to be on as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, all the credit goes to my co-founder, whose name is Chris Warzinia. He founded Pedestrian.tv yes. uh, when he was 21 years old yeah. and then steered that together with another guy named Oscar. And together they steered that for over 15 years before that sale, that record-breaking sale of a pedestrian to uh, Channel 9, which is, uh, I think it's Australia's biggest TV and publishing network. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, back in the day, we used to watch Channel 9 News because it was considered quite reputable relative to a couple of the other stations. So uh, I'm not going to touch that with the 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a few in Australia, and I think that one is definitely one of the biggest for sure. Yeah, 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 indeed. Fantastic. So look, um, you know, um, there, there was a transaction with Pedestrian.tv. Um, did you move with them to 9? No, it was actually a coincidence. I took a role at 9 uh just before they switched over permanently or gave up the the last part of pedestrian to them. Yep. And then as P- Chris exited fully, he then pinged me uh, to to talk about this idea he had yeah. based on his experience in publishing uh, and is to see if, you know, he, I thought it had legs. I definitely did. Yep. Uh, you know, there's something there where you've had over 15 years of experience in an industry. You're seeing holes, not only from the publishing point of view but also from what brands kind of wish existed yeah and yeah. then that became the foundation for Linkby and the company that we started fantastic mm. yeah well look i mean uh it's an interesting journey going from transaction to working for the company that you know that purchased you to then co-founding another mm. business within the same space yeah no that was an interesting couple of years that's for sure yeah yeah fantastic and look just before we sort of dive into what linkby does and and, and its background you know i mean is there anything that you want to say in terms of what it was like you know preparing for the transaction hmm that's a good question i think there was definitely a fork in the road in my own personal career where you know working for something like uh, channel 9 was was quite was quite nice and and it's comes with a lot of, I guess, security and you know what's going to come at you and yeah. you know what the expectations are like. 
and then to stand in that fork in the road and go, do I then go out on this adventure uh, with with this guy and then you know try the unknown and try something that was completely unknown because there was nothing like what we tried to achieve out there. And I'm very, very happy I did take that chance. But yes. yeah, sure, there was a was a time where I was like, am I making the right decision? Uh, but I never looked back. Like, yeah. thank God I didn't, uh, that I was cur- uh, courageous enough to take that step because four years later, the it's been such an um, incredible journey. And, you know, the growth that we've seen since then when it was just Chris and I, uh, and then eventually our third co-founder, Andrew, who's the CTO of the company. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's undescribable the amount of uh, change and, things that we've had to learn and the the dynamicness of, of, of this of this journey has just been more than I could ever have uh, hoped for, to be honest, which fantastic. has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, look, let's dive in then. So, I mean, you mentioned that um, uh, Chris, your co-founder, the, the, the original. The CEO say, uh, as well. The, the CEO. Yeah. Um, so it started off as the two of you and he, he called you, he said that, you know, he had an idea Tell us what happened next. Yeah, next, obviously I said, I think that is a fantastic idea. I can't believe no one has ever thought of that, which is a term we hear a lot, <laughs> uh, which I think is a good sign for a business that you know, you're just the first one to, to act on something that was clearly needed mm. in the space. Uh, and then very quickly we got Andrew on board. He built the MVP of the website, the, the first version of the website, because he, he had an agency that specialized in that. Yeah. And then we quickly offered him the third co-founder seat uh, because as most people who's ever been to a, to a startup seminar or something, a clear trend is always get tech in early. Indeed, indeed. And that I cannot uh, agree with that more. Mm. Uh, having Andrew and his now very robust development, global r- r- development team makes us extremely agile. So yes. I always say that we dream something on a Friday and they build it on the Monday. Yeah. And having that type of agility when you work with brands and publishers and pr- other providers like other affiliate networks that have their own demands on terms of tagging or a specific way they want to work, mm. having the ability to just on a on an instant be able to to give them that gives us a very uh, gives us a competitive advantage uh, yes. beyond our own just our own products if that makes sense indeed yeah so look why don't why don't we start at the sort of top you know with a couple of sentences about what linkby does and then you know maybe you could dive into let's say the pain points that you guys had identified or the opportunities that you'd identified in the industry um, and how you started building products to address those. Yeah, absolutely. So what it is in a nutshell is the ability to work with publishers, so premium publishers, or at least it is now. We can talk about more of the future later, but at the moment we work with the biggest and brightest and furthest reaching publishers on a global scale. So we started in Australia, we came here to the UK. We're in the North America, both the US and Canada, and we're also in Southeast Asia now. Mm -hmm. Uh, What it does is it allows brands, advertisers of all all sizes to work with these publishers to facilitate dedicated content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As in a full article about say, if you have a, a beauty brand, and you have this face cream that's changing the world, you can now very easily and cost-effectively on a CPC cost-per-click basis Mm. uh, facilitate dedicated content that helps build that brand. Not through the voice of the brand, but these 
publisher. So for example, if you wanted to work with Vogue and Refinery29 and Mary Claire in one go, mm. which used to be a very costly and time-consuming thing in the past, yes. now with the ease of buying an ad, uh, you can do that and get dedicated content. And with the kicker that it's all performance-based as well. Indeed. Which means that if someone sees the content, when someone sees the content and they read all about it, they get the 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 voice of the publisher talking about why they love the brand or whatever's got going on. Yeah. And then if they are so interested that they then click through to the site of wherever, but usually the site of the brand, mm. it's only then that there occurs a cost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's one of our products. The core product is built like that. And then we've also created product that a product called PubFeed, which uh, allows you to work with brand advertisers. So if you want to work with uh, all these publishers and just get the message out there, whether, for example, we just did a campaign with Disney Plus, mm -hmm. uh, we did a campaign with Uber, we did one with Domino's Pizza, yeah. where it's more about brand and just uh, uh, informing about an initiative, for example, where there's no call to action in included. Yeah. We also have the, the tools now to do that on massive scale, Fantastic. Uh, which is uh, exciting and has seen a lot of traction, especially in Australia, where our first test market for this product uh, was or is. And yeah, it's seen some, some really huge strides there, which is exciting. So yeah. we're building out a suite of products that if it's content that you're, you're after, and if it's an audience, a huge audience you're after, if it's measurability and ease of use and a pretty competitive price point as well is not to be forgotten, then I'd say we are leading the charge within that, which Fantastic. is great. Yeah, that's great. So I guess um, if I'm looking at it from a high level, mm -hmm. you've got your clients, um, yep. you've got you know your platform, mm -hmm. which is managing, I suppose, um, you know, the measurements um, uh, 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 and the budgets. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the publishers who are producing the content. Yeah. Um, you also referred to a couple of like affiliate networks before. W where do they come in? Are they sort of in the middle connecting you guys with clients or? No. So everything happens on our end. Mm -hmm. So whether you are a direct uh, to consumer advertiser, a mm. brand, uh, the marketing manager or brand, or even sometimes for smaller brands, you work with directly with the founders. Yeah. Uh, or if you're a agency, a big, you know, like the brands I just talked about, Uber and Domino's, they all go through an agency. Yes. Then you have PR agencies, then you have performance agencies, then you have the affiliate networks like the Rakutens and Awins and, and yeah. Impacts of the World. They all come to us, use our platform to then reach the publishers that are signed up to the platform. Got you. The idea there is that we can facilitate the type of content that all those mentioned are after, which is again, dedicated content that looks, feels, mm -hmm. and reads like the organic content of that publisher. Yes. Uh, yeah. On the CPC side, the each of those articles are created by the editorial team of said publisher that you choose to work with. Yes. The thinking there, and this is just my opinion, is that when it comes to like a, regurgitated press release or when a brand is completely involved and creates all the content and the publisher just puts copy and paste, yeah. you kind of miss the point because the point there's a premium to publishing, the, the point of having someone like the ones I met, Mary Claire or Daily Mail or whoever you want to work with to do the work is yeah. that that's why people come there. Indeed. They don't come there to listen to uh, a brand. They come there to listen to these 
experts of beauty, fashion, tech, whatever the publisher is, is about, mm. and they want to hear what they have to say about it. And through our, through our platform, we let the publisher do the work. Yeah, yeah. So it, when you create a brief, for example, if you're a brand and you work, decide to work with 10 different publishers at the same time, yes. you will get 10 different articles expertly curated by said publishers that you have chosen to work with. Fantastic. To, you know, it's not only about click-through. Yeah. That's the metric which you pay for, but as as all advertisers know, it's more about it's also about awareness, mm. brand trust building, yeah, uh, and just building buzz. Like you can, you're gonna have to buy a lot of Facebook ads to to create buzz. Yes. But having all these publishers who people actively seek out for their recommendations and to listen to them, mm. all talk about the reasons why they specifically are excited about said product helps do a lot more than just convert. Indeed. But in this world where people do spend a lot of money with the likes of Meta and Google, the conversion is usually the centerpiece. But And that's kind of what we do as well because we knew from the beginning that if we want to take money back from those big ones into publishing, we need to mirror the way of working because yeah. that's what the norm is now. So you need to give complete control back to the advertiser of, timings, budgets, the CPC, the cost per click itself, yeah, uh, and then the selection of the publishers, you need to give that back to the, the advertisers so they feel comfortable and it's comparable to creating a Facebook campaign, for example. Yeah. And that we knew that early on, that that's how we do that and that's how we built everything. So I used to say in the early days that it's as easy as building out a Facebook campaign until I actually tried building out a Facebook campaign and realized that you need to be a little bit of an expert these days because it's oh, so really? complex. Yeah. There's so many options and there's so much you need to to, to set and, and understand. But with us, it does not take us more than a couple of minutes to, to get anyone, no, regardless of experience, even if it's the first time you've ever dealt with content, you just follow our steps uh, in our platform and you can create a brief. Yes. That said, in the background, our team works really hard to review all the briefs before they go to publishers, mm. work with brands, guide brands to make sure that what they put into the, the platform is set up for success. So by the time it reaches the publishers, it has the best possible uh, opportunity to to be a success. Excellent. Yeah. Mm. And look, Adrian, I, there are so many sort of uh, uh, crooks and um you know rabbit holes we can dive into and absolutely so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and go through them in a way where i address as many as possible sure. within one question so um let's start with the publishers mm -hmm. so do they can they choose whether to accept or deny um briefs um and as a follow-on from that um are they guaranteed a particular amount of let's say revenue um you know when they're saying all right i'm gonna pick adrian's brief or i'm gonna pick lucas's brief yeah what sort of visibility and, and choice do they have great question so the answer to the first one is yes mm -hmm. the because contextual relevance still plays a role we yeah. can talk about contextual relevance as a separate one because that's an interesting one too but yes they have complete control of what they accept mm -hmm. well like they should because Crowbarring in a uh, piece about golf clubs on Mary Claire doesn't make sense for anyone. Indeed, That's not why indeed. people come there. And then the follow-up question, 
which was... So uh, it was, do they have an understanding or a forecast of revenue for yes. each piece? Great question. So the way it works on the platform is that I'm talking about the CPC version, the core product now, is each publisher sets a allocated budget. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, for example, it's 2,500 pounds or 5,000 pounds. Yeah. That means that that's what the brand should be willing to spend. Mm. If and only if the publisher in question performs to that level. Yes, yes. So there's no setup cost, there's no retainers, there's no memberships involved, there's no cost but the cost per click. Yeah. However, if the publisher, you set the timings as well, and within that time, that's when the publisher has the opportunity to earn that money that's been allocated to them. Uh -huh. So if they do a fantastic job, and let's say it's a two, three month campaign, and they absolutely smash it out of the park, the maximum the brand will pay is that 2,500 or 5,000 pounds. Yes. However, not, but usually that's the level we get to, but sometimes we do not. Mm -hmm. And the publisher might come uh, deliver out, say, even if it was an extreme example and they only delivered 100 clicks, for example, mm. that's the cost to the brand. It yeah. won't be the full 2,500, it will be the cost for that, those 100 clicks. Yeah which in turn creates a really interesting scenario, which is the publishers are highly motivated to put their absolute best foot forward Yeah. because they take a chance. They do all the work up front. Mm. So by the time the content goes live, they have earned zero dollars. Yes. Yeah. And then they need to do everything they can in terms of create great content that appeals to their specific audience, mm. amplify the content however they do, whether that's through social channels, EDMs, and other, any other channels that they have available to them mm. to drive traffic back to the content in hope that people are interested enough to click from that content into the brand's channels. Yes. So it's almost the ability for brands to go, hey, show me what you can do for my brand yeah. before they even pay a cent. Yeah. Uh, so it's created a really interesting uh, model for brands to work with multiple publishers. Sometimes we, we work, we marry brands with publishers that they've never even heard of. Yes. Yeah. And they get the chance to prove themselves. And sometimes it's huge success. We obviously work with the biggest household names as well, which a lot of brands that we work with were completely priced out from working with. But okay. with this model, it becomes possible. Indeed. So yeah. a brand comes to us, sometimes brands come to us and they've never done anything in the content space. And because of this model, again, mirroring the, the way of working like those other channels, they are open to it and they try it and sometimes they fall in love with it and just can't get enough of it and come back for more and more yeah. to help build that brand beyond, say, social channels where it's a jungle out there on the social channels. So how do you Indeed. elevate a brand from just being a, an Instagram brand, for example? A lot of the times, this is one of those ways that you can do that without absolutely having to you know, break the bank uh, from a brand perspective. Yeah, I mean, you know, the price points that you discussed, 2,500 and 5,000 pounds, you mm. know, are, let's say, relatively affordable um, uh, to businesses that have a marketing budget. Mm. Um, but when it comes to delivering on, say, the clicks, mm -hmm. how do you cost or price the um, uh, cost per click? So yeah, great question. So the minimum is a global one, meaning in Australia, it's $1 Australian. Here it's one pound. In mm. the US, it's $1 US USD. That said, there's a because it's a marketplace, it's kind of matured into, a, depending on what, what type of product you're in, if it's a widely applicable product, so mm. Mm, you know, beauty, fashion, things like that, yep. it's, I'd say the average is probably around a 
$2 Australian CPC at £1.50 now. Uh-huh. Uh, it's only if you're a specifically niche brand, what's a good example, like a luxury good that not many people can afford, mm-hmm. then you would need the flexibility around the CPC to go a little bit higher to yeah. just make the, the the squeeze worth the juice for the publisher because they need to filter through all their audiences yeah. uh, to find those people that are relevant to that brand. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's a marketplace. You set the CPC. The CPCs are very competitive as a general, especially if you compare it, compare it to long-form content because sometimes people see the CPCs and they go, oh, but I buy it on cents. Yeah, but you're buying ads in irrelevant environments yes. uh, that have nothing to do with content. So comparing apples with apples there is an important one. Uh, but that's that's how you do it. You set the CPC yourself. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess just going back to some of the benefits that you discussed before, mm-hmm. um, coming off your point about, you know, buying ads in random places. Yes. Um, you know, when, let's say someone's going to make a high value purchase mm-hmm. or even an investment and they're mm-hmm. doing due diligence on a company, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that they're able to type that company into Google and then it pops up with, you know, multiple different well-known publishers mm-hmm. uh, discussing that that brand correct it can really help in that conversion funnel yeah and i think you know back to building buzz as well like even if you're a, a brand that's everybody knows about and you're doing something new and fresh and you can do tv ads yeah you can do billboards you can do all this thing these things but now with our, especially with our second product as well which is more of a focused on brand mm. you have this button which you can push and have in Australia, I think it's 37, 36 or 37 different publishers, all of the highest caliber can now run content at the same time. Wow. And on the second product, that budget can be across all of them. That's nuts. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, 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 it's really a new way of looking at getting content out there. And like we discussed, content does more than just drive clicks to a site. Yeah. You know, some of the brands that we worked with, I, I, there's been examples of what our brand has been covered by a publisher and they've taken that, um, that coverage and made it into ads, yeah. which they've then run on, on hopefully relevant channels, <laughs> but also affordable ones where they just buy the ads, but then use the, the clout, if you will, of that publisher and their view on their products to, again, really leverage the fact that it's not us saying that we're their most amazing brand and the best thing since sliced bread. It's mm. these very, very respected uh, and uh, publishers that are that are putting their name on it, which if you're a brand manager and, and you, you manage content in the right way, there's so much more that you can do than just uh, make it a flash in the pan performance campaign. Yeah, indeed. I, digital marketing is kind of like fireworks, you know, mm. it, it pops up and then it disappears. Um, but coming back to the point you made around brand contextuality, you mentioned that, you know, these publishers are very well respected um, uh, and very well known. Um, and it's important for them to put content up about brands, which, you know, might be in line with their visions, their values. Um, but to the end consumer, mm-hmm. are they able to see whether this is a paid post or a free post? Yeah, it's also the law, so it helps. Okay. Uh, yeah. But there's a couple of ways to skin that cat. Mm. So just, to, I, I really like what you said first. I think for publishers, it's there's there's an aspect of you got to keep the lights on yeah and this is again where we leaned on our own experience within publishing there's a few ways you can do that 
ads is obviously one. Mm. And I think there was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction where pe- brands needed to monetize once we got, went digital mm. and it became ads and autoplay videos and end-of-site experiences that sometimes feels like they have very little to do with the website itself. Yes, This yeah, ability yeah. gives them, you know, like we spoke about, the, f- the freedom of choice to write commercial content that appeals to their audience that they think that w- they actually will like and yes. consume. And then they do need to call out that it is sponsored, but it, it does vary from publisher to publisher. Yep. What we've seen to become the norm is, and you'll see this on most content these days, because there are products like skim links and other things where you can monetize a specific thing of an, of an organic content piece. Mm. And as soon as you do, as a publisher, you need to let people know that, hey, there's, there's money behind this. Yeah. So what it normally takes shape uh, as is that at the very bottom of the article, in usually in grayed out italics, mm. it says something along the lines So we love the products we write about. We hope you do too. Full disclosure, we might see some revenue from activity of this content. Something yeah, along those yeah. lines. I'm paraphrasing. And, and it's so normal to see that now that people don't really blink an eyelid. You don't even see it, right? Like yeah. it's because it's always there, and yeah. so it's it's not a big declaration. But then, if you're an industry person, if you because there's plenty of links throughout the content because mm. that's it's cost per click. So mm. you want to make sure mm. that there's no confusion of where you go and act on any interest. Yeah. And if you hover over those clicks and look at the very bottom left part of the screen, very you can see what type of link it is. Yeah. So for someone like you and me who who's in the industry every day. You can you can figure out who the provider is, and so our links ca- is called are called golinkb dot com links. Yeah. Uh, so, but if you're if you're not into that, you can then see that you should be. Not all publishers do it, to be honest. To be f- perfectly frank, they should. But uh, at the bottom, there's usually an indication that hey, there's affiliate or there's uh, monetization of this content involved. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. That's mm. great. Well, look, th- thank you for clarifying that. And then I, I guess um, the other, let's say, objective of that question was mm-hmm. to loop back to brand contextuality, yes. which you mentioned that you wanted to dive into a bit more. Yeah. So it's, it's fresh. It's uh, top of mind because I had a meeting this morning where it was a subject that we talked about. It, it comes up a lot, mm. especially with younger brands that are, again, exploring content or have explored content a little bit and Granted, contextual relevance is really important, especially if you are buying big partnerships with a specific publisher where their audience is the one you want to speak to and you're buying it on a per view basis. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure that those views that get chewed up are relevant to your brand. Yeah. So for example, if you're after women 25 to 45, you probably are, you know, do a good job if you're working with a female focused publisher that already exist within that space yeah however with cpc cost per click you can as a brand be much more uh liberal with the contextual relevance Mm. why because even if you work with say daily mail right the biggest news publisher in on planet earth yes huge audience Mm. there's gonna be women 25 to 45 within that audience but with the cpc model you can build that brand on massive scale and get, you know, if not thousands, millions of views on that piece of content. But unless those people reading it are interested and Mm -hmm. relevant, most likely in that target audience you're after, and if they don't click through, they don't cost you anything. So through this model, you can focus on and pay for the people that find out 
get educated about the brand, find out what you got going on, and then are so interested that they leave the original site and come into the brand site. Yeah. Those are the ones that most likely sit in your audience. And maybe if they, they didn't, now they do. Yeah, yeah. So sure. it's a it's a it's a way to be much more lenient and go wider with the contextual relevance, which sometimes takes my team a lot of educating to the brand to do because the the normal way of doing it included a lot of contextual relevance and you needed to, you know, find coma a press kit and really mm. explore who the audience is. Here, if it's in striking range of that your audience exists within that publisher, then you, it's probably a good idea to include them in your pitch yeah. because, again, you, 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 you hit a wider audience, but again, you focus on the ones that are genuinely interested in what's going on. Yeah, fantastic. And look, just going into some of the consulting work I've done mm -hmm. um, in the space before, um, you know, one, one big issue is like doing due diligence, let's say, on mm -hmm. those audiences and yeah. on the tools that are being used because yeah. nobody wants to sponsor um, uh, or, or begin a campaign with a company that has a you know real poor email deliverability rate, for mm -hmm. example, or a dead audience. Mm -hmm. um, so given that you're connecting um, these publishers with their end clients, what, what sort of due diligence do you do on the publishers and their audiences? Yeah, so when we so we have a dedicated publishing team led out of New York, this amazing woman named Vanessa Lawrence, who um, uh, who headed up Pedestrian TV. Uh, she was the head of Pedestrian TV, Vice, Refinery Twenty Nine. She was at Qantas Magazine for a while. Mm. So she's built a publishing team that deals with all those that side of the the fence. Uh -huh. So they when they when we onboard publishers, one, they always have to have the audience. Yeah, the juice is not worth the squeeze for them if they do not have an audience. Because of the cost per click model, if they only uh, reach, say, a couple of hundred thousand people a month, mm. again, they need to do all the work up front. So it doesn't, so, so it kind of filters that automatically. Yeah. And then we have things like automatic fraud detection. Uh, we have built-in systems that make sure it's human traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, I can go into detail on how that works. Yeah. It's kind of Andrew's ballpark, not mine. Yeah. But safe to say is there's a, this controlling system. So if there was ever an opportunity, if there was ever a situation where a publisher would break the rules of publishing, so to speak, mm -hmm. we immediately identify that and yes. uh, so make sure that the everything is set straight right away. So it kind of is a self uh, editing system in itself that the reach needs to be there and we also keep a very close eye on all the traffic that comes through through all these sophisticated measurabilities that we built in from the core from the ground up yes. uh, of, the, of the platform so when it, it does happen that we get requests from publishers that either don't have the the reach or you know are not fit for the platform where we have to decline yes. uh, working with them so we so we keep a we just work with the most premium publishers there are. Fantastic. And mm -hmm. that, that's really important for your client's uh, uh, point of view as well. Oh, and for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. All it takes is one sour apple and then th th that wouldn't be any good. So that's right. Uh, that's a big focus for us uh, yeah. from the development team, but also from which, which, which partners we choose to work with. Yes, yeah. And, you know, going back to the point that you mentioned about making sure, let's say, clicks are genuine and audiences are genuine yeah um you know i can remember a few years ago um you know hearing a story um you know from from 
someone quite close about uh, an affiliate agreement that they mm-hmm. had. And the affiliate hadn't realized that it was a click uh, cost per click agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as they realized that, all of a sudden, like, you know, 10,000 clicks appeared within two hours and then yes. they wanted to be paid for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's click farms and, and, and whatnot. But I'm not sure, you know, whether you've seen any sort of horror stories and if you built tools and prevention accordingly. I haven't seen any horror stories because we got out, we knew being a publisher yeah. in the past, we knew exactly that those questions would be thrown at us. and. Mm. And through things like UTM tags, which is Google's way of tagging up a link so you can see all the behavior and the Mm. dwell time and where the traffic is from, things like that coupled with the fact that if you're a clicker and you click many, many, many times very quickly, you're obviously not doing it with good intent. So there's automatic like fail-safe triggers for that. Uh, And then, you know, the publishers themselves know all this so they would be it would be a fool's errand for for a publisher to start tampering with it it's it's that's really where the only reason that anyone would do it because it doesn't make sense for for the brand for us or for the publisher themselves to tamper with it so there's almost like a self-regulating thing there as well but to to my point we knew this would come up immediately so Mm. we even from the very first iteration of the platform and the tech that was front center uh, of everything Fantastic, mm. yeah. And, you know, talking about UTMs, I'm going to move the conversation sure. to cookies for an exa- uh, for a moment. Right, um, yeah. You know, cookies are slowly being, um, you know, uh, uh, removed from our lives. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, yeah. Thankfully, uh, I'd say. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. But uh, will that impact uh, Linkby at all? So I'm going to go out on slightly thin ice here because I am not the CTO. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but we are working hard. They are working hard. The development team are working hard on what a cookie-less future looks like. So mm. we are not dependent on cookies now. Yes. And we will never be because it's not going to be around. Yeah. But there are other things that you can do in terms of, uh, and again, this ice gets thinner the, f- the deeper I go, but there are other ways uh, that we're working on in terms of data learning and mm-hmm. so forth, where the ultimate end goal would be to, because I'm marrying two conversations in one here, the ultimate goal would be to really be able to demonstrate the full power of content because yeah. we are specializing in cost per click, which means I'm actively reading, clicking, and going somewhere else. Easy mm-hmm. to measure, very, very easy to measure. But as we all know, in content does so much more. Yeah. So if I'm getting I'm going my favorite publisher and getting educated about a brand, I might not click through then and there. Mm. But if it's a article about, say, a hairstyling product and I don't need it then and there, I might not click. But the next time I do need it, I might not go back to that article. It's unlikely I'll go back to that yeah. article and go through there. But please do if you do, because then we get that <laughs> click. Uh, but then there's without cookies, because with a cookie world, you could kind of measure that to see if there was like a delayed reaction. Within 30 days or something. Yeah, exactly. But even that was, it's not a perfect science, far from it. But now we're looking at other methodology to do that, which again, I hope you ask me no follow-up questions because (laughs) I am not the expert within that specific thing. No problem. Look, thank you for answering that. and uh, I, I suppose, you know, my final sort of question about Linkby mm. is going to be, how do you guys make money? 
so simple to answer. We take a clip of the ticket. Yeah. So the majority share goes to the publishers. Mm. We have a system set up that all, the split is always the same. Mm. Another pain point as a publisher we used to feel <laughs> is that going into contract negotiations with, with uh, affiliate networks and all that could sometimes be too complicated. Mm. So we just drew a line in the sand is that this is what we do and this is what they get. They get the line share, we get a small piece of the ticket yep. so we can build this team, build the, with salespeople that scour the earth for brands that normally would not work with publishers yeah. uh, or find budgets that would normally not go to publishers from, from established brands mm. and more and also going cross-market. We do a lot of cross-market work where Australian brands go to, to the US and to the UK and vice versa, yeah. which opens up new doors as well. And then the tech component, because we are spending and investing a lot of money into the tech component. So we can build these tools and then give to publishers mm. so they can then compete with the likes of Meta and Google yes. without having to do those investments themselves because publishing is doesn't usually have budget to do that. Yeah, indeed. So uh, that's what we do. We take a small clip of the ticket and then we invest it back into our teams to bring them more advertisers and to beef up the tech that is available for publishers. Fantastic. And look, actually, I am going to ask one more question about Linkby, which Please, is keep it coming. about the team, because mm. you've mentioned it. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about how you, you, you kicked off the business, mm -hmm. but how many of you are there now? How many countries are you operating in? So out of operation, there's people placed all around the world, but we are, we're established in seven markets. Wow. So that's Australia, we have a little foot in New Zealand, uh, and then it's North America, as in Canada, the US, UK, Singapore, and Malaysia so Fantastic. far. But we're about to go into more markets. Uh, in terms of employing people, we're about, I think it's it's north of 50 now. Yeah. Uh, and we're hiring like crazy. Nice. Uh, so anyone talented? Hit me <laughs> up. Uh, and the team is growing very fast. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so so we're we're spread out across globally, and a lot of the work we do is remote as well, which has mm. opened up a whole uh, a whole new set of possibilities. Yeah, uh, especially when it comes to talent hunting as well, because the world is our oyster yeah. in that sense, which is great. Yeah, indeed, indeed, fantastic. Well, look, um, you know, I, I was going to move on to trends within, mm -hmm. let's say, you know, the marketing world. Mm -hmm. But before I do so, Adrian, do, do you have anything else that you want to say about Linkby and the journey? No, just, you know, it's it's fun to have these type of conversations because there's a part of me that almost gets sentimental. Like it is, it's been, you know, a, a packed four years. Yeah. But you know, cliche warning here, but we are only getting started and we have some things in the pipeline that without going too deep into it, and I think this will cross over to the trends that you're talking about, mm. there are more creators out there than just publishers. Yes. And some of them are, you know, that, that probably the people you think about when I say that, like influencers and so forth, but mm. there's others out there that carry an audience. And for us, it is about going into those spaces, the unexplored spaces of that as well. So I think, yeah, just wait. Yeah. We are just getting started. Fantastic, fantastic. Mm. And, you know, I think if we go back 10 years or so mm -hmm. ago, um, you know, Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram yep. ads were sort of coming out then yep. as well. Um, digital marketing had a low acquisition cost mm -hmm. before it got saturated. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you know, I guess these are my sort of views. Um, uh, you know, we've we've had over the past sort of eighteen to twenty four months um, a real massive clawback when it comes to digital marketing spend by startups, um, mm-hmm. a big focus on profitability. Yep. I, I mean, it'd be great to hear from your side, you know, how you've watched and, and seen um, the marketing and advertising space evolve over the, the last decade. Yeah, you know, you, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's kind of exactly what's happened. Uh, the, the heyday of Facebook ads was an interesting thing to watch. And when we were looking at that, it's like, again, looking at the stats on how much money was spent there and how do we claw this back into to publishing like we yeah. spoke about. We kind of yeah. emulate that and, and do that. But then is that getting more and more saturated, it's kind of helped us a little bit as well because brands that are succeeding still need to spend money on marketing, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And where we have then seen more spend come our way is when those type of channels the f- the have seen increased CPCs or bigger costs or, uh, you know, become more complex and saturated, like you said. So it's almost like an opportunity for us. But that said, I want to make it clear that we are not the only thing you need. Mm. There's a a spread there. There's a a strategy that you need to exist within those channels as well. But when it comes to really elevating a message or or creating buzz, again, I think that's where content really shines. and now it's possible on a, on a more modest investment, which it wasn't before. And it would kind of, yeah. you know, I remember back on the, the when we were at pedestrian.tv, if not all, most of the brands that were advertising were big brands with big budgets mm. through agencies or direct, but that had, you know, a lot of money to throw on building just awareness. Yes. Yeah. Awareness in a cool, relevant environment, don't get me wrong, but marrying those worlds of performance and awareness together opened up new doors to advertisers in that time that was, you know, where they were feeling the pinch from whatever reason, if it was increased cost from advertisers or, you know, just the the, the market that we're in at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think all in all, it kind of created an opportunity for us, which was, fortu- uh, which was fortunate for us. Fantastic. And you, you've referenced the fact that there are lots more creators these days. I think mm. the way that the algorithms work on YouTube, TikTok, um, Instagram, to an extent, it allows anybody with a phone, you know, to yeah. do a quick film. Yeah. Um, post-production can be done in-app. And, you know, it's more easier than ever before mm-hmm. to gain impressions and views. Um, you know, do, do, do you have any views on sort of where that's going, where everybody can be? an influencer to an extent. Yeah, I think that's something that we're working on at the moment as well to, again, capture, there's more than just influencers that have audiences and, and capturing those mm. those uh, creators and giving them easy ways to keep the lights on as well, similar yeah. to what we did with publishing, is, is definitely a next step in our ev- evolution. Uh, in terms of where's influencer marketing going, it's been an interesting thing to watch and mm. you know the the rise of like micro and nano influencers and uh and i think i'm not really know what to say about that it's not my uh field of expertise but it, it stands clear to me that if you go into that space specialize yeah. there's enough people that try to do everything at once but i think what people that really see success are people that are becoming true experts or 
create something fresh and bold within a specific niche. Yeah. Uh, and that makes you relevant. Maybe not to every advertiser, but if you capture a, a segment of advertisers that are hyper relevant to what you're doing, that makes it authentic. Yes. I think that's the key as well. Like if you're passionate about something and, and you marry that with an advertiser that, that sees that passion, that's when good things happen. I know that doesn't really add anything to the discussion, but uh, <laughs> it's not my field of expertise. Yeah, but look, I think authenticity is always, you know, a welcome comment. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you've you've sort of alluded to the fact that there might be something coming for creators mm -hmm. on the roadmap. Appreciate yeah. we might not be able to dig deeper there, but is there anything else on the roadmap that, you know, you do want to discuss? I think I kind of said it. I think when people say anyone with an audience, they think influencers, mm. but there are other people, other organizations, other brands out there with audiences that are not necessarily monetizing their voice other than the core product that they're doing. Yes. Uh, like for example, there are dating apps out there that have huge audiences that spend tons of time in their environments where if you do it right, there's opportunity to expand beyond that core product, yeah. create, interesting and authentic content <laughs> that can then also be monetized if you do it the right way. Yeah. So that's an interesting space as well, but it goes beyond that. So anyone with a sizable audience with a voice uh, should be able to keep the lights on without burying themselves in, you know, ads or yeah. uh, non-UX based ways of, of monetizing. I think there's a, there's a happy medium where you can do what you really love, collaborate with brands that you, you're passionate about without, again, burying yourself in ads and things like that. I think there's, there's, a, there's a space there that we are exploring at the moment, which isn't, hasn't been done yet. And yeah. I think if, if we're right and our, uh, if our goals are achieved, uh, we can carve out uh, a piece of that just like we have of, of uh, traditional p digital publishing. Fantastic. Well, looking forward to seeing where that goes. Me too. Uh, Me too. Know, that'll be excellent. Um, look, uh, Adrian, you know, we, we've covered a lot about Linkby today. Um, but from your side, have there been any, I suppose, key takeaways that, you know, you've found have really helped you over your career that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, there's a few and they're all cliches. So <laughs> cliche warning again. I think we talk a lot about, you know, the importance of the team. So the founding team, which I couldn't speak more highly about, uh, Chris and Andrew that I started this company with, are the most talented individuals I ever come across. Mm. And then you start building a team under that. And I think there's the, here comes the cliche, your team is everything. Who yeah. you, especially in this startup world, which also is un in an interesting space, right? Yeah. When it comes to investment and so forth, it's very, everybody's keeping a close eye on everything these days. So the team you build, especially in this world, you really need talent, of course, that mm. goes without saying, but then passion as well, because yeah, startup is a, is a demanding space. Yes. You know, you can, similar to my career where you can work for a big established uh, multinational company, it's comfortable and safe, Mm. but the the rewards of being in a startup that does well can be good as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and finding the right match of people, the right leaders in a team is so important. And 
you know, uh, we always say that we we try to find people that are better than us, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, because that's how you how you get ahead. Otherwise, you just get a clone factory of yourself, and yeah. you're limited to your own capabilities. Indeed. But we, like I said, we scour the earth for this uh, this extremely talented people that can take the business further than even we could. Yeah, uh, which yeah. has proven to be uh, the mythology that has um, got us where we are now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I I think it's not sort of appreciated enough the fact that you know when you're bringing people in who may have succeeded heaps in a corporate mm. you know unless they have that build mentality and you know am i building something which is gonna fall over in 12 months when we scale or mm -hmm. am i building something that is unlocking time and can automate to continue to scale and not cause a roadblock later on yeah. you know that's that's a massive thing that i see startups and businesses particularly at your size run mm. into yeah. you know they're like all right yeah let's hire this logo let's hire that logo but actually you know they they can build your level one level two but you know those foundations collapse once you put the weight on top of it later mm -hmm. on so yeah agreed <laughs> fantastic well, look, Adrian, um, you know, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Any, any closing remarks before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess, you know, can't, can't not do a plug. Yeah. If anyone listening is interested and want to find out more, uh, and all you do is just jump on our website, uh, linkby.com, simple as that, L-I-N-K-B-Y, and then just request a demo, and then you can throw all the hard questions, all the curiosities, you got around what we do uh, on top of our team and just start there and and yeah we can help from create your first brief if that's what you need or we can answer all the hard questions at least then you you know what's going on in the industry indeed look adrian thank you so much and uh please keep us updated when it comes to these the new product launches as well because yes, sir. I, i'm sure they'll be relevant for the audience sounds good to me i'll do that Excellent. thanks so much for having me thanks for your time have a great trip thank you Thank you. Brilliant.